So have you ever noticed how certain people really get into things and they can't talk about anything else? You can pretty much fill in the blank about that, yeah? Well, I've noticed that a lot recently because I'm a new parent. <laughs> and one thing I've noticed, I'm around a lot of new parents. And new parents just can't stop talking about their babies. Have you noticed this? My baby sat up. My baby swallowed food and didn't throw it up. Uh, oh, and here's a big one. There's a lot of conversation about baby poop. What color it is, how often it comes, what the consistency is. This is true. Have you noticed this? Parents talk a lot about their babies, how they, like to, how they are saying new words. Like my son loves to say shoes, but he says shoes. I find that adorable. <laughs> and in the right light, if you see and understand the significance, these things are pretty awesome. So I joke about it, but they are. So not that long ago, these human beings didn't exist. They literally were not there. So the fact that there is this new being that can eat food and poop and eventually sit up or walk, all of these things are actually miracles. And unless you're a parent of that child, it's hard to be quite in touch with quite the miracle that it is. So you may not be tuned into that, you know. You may not be because maybe you're not that into kids or whatever. And you might think something like, look, I poop every day and it's really not that big a deal. Uh, this, this, this afternoon I had a sandwich. I actually made it myself. Then I chewed it, swallowed it, no problems. Nobody posted about it on Facebook. No one threw me a party. But my point here is that perspective and its related significance makes a difference in how we respond to things in life. And Jesus did this. There was one thing that he just would not stop talking about, ever. His first sermon was about it. He preached about it all the time. He demonstrated it. He pointed people to it. He talked about how you could be a part of it. He called it good news. And he said that it was the reason that he'd come to earth. It was as if he was saying, to get me, you must get this. This is what I'm all about. And that thing is this thing called the kingdom of God. So we preached about it in Matthew 4. It says, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Uh, he told stories about it, Matthew 13, 24, 44, 45, 47. It's a list of stories, and they all start like this. The kingdom of heaven is like dot, dot, dot. When he performed miracles, he pointed to it. He said, but if I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. And if you look at the stories of Jesus in the Bible, they're called the Gospels. A word that I think we all value and would expect Jesus to talk about. The word serve appears 12 times. The word love occurs over 70 times. Kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven occurs over 80 times. Jesus' main mission was to proclaim, to demonstrate, to invite people to join in this thing called the kingdom of God. 
But here's the thing. And maybe you're not like me, but I found this to be true. We don't understand the significance of the kingdom of God. We don't even know what it is. And here's how I know. When I was 18 years old, I had grown up in the church. 17 years in the church. My dad was a pastor. And I remember going away from home for the first time. I was out of school. I was taking an exam. I decided to take a class on, I think it was New Testament origins. And the, one of the tests on the midterm exam was, what is the kingdom of God? And I suddenly realized, I have no idea. I've spent my whole life growing up in the church. I know the kingdom of God is a good thing, but I have no idea what it is. So I got a zero. Preacher's kid got a zero on the question, what's the kingdom of God? Well, I thought, well, at least that's over. I don't have to worry about that again. Final came around. I didn't know you could do this. Same question was on the final that was on the midterm. What is the kingdom of God? And I still had no answer. I got another zero on that. It's the thing that defines Jesus' purpose in this world. It's the thing that he won't stop preaching about or talking about. And for most of us, we have no idea what it actually is. What is the kingdom of God? When you think of that, what do you think of? We might have images, pictures, senses, but what it actually is, I feel like we are, we are like most of the time lost. And here's why this is important. Right now during this season in the life of our church, we're talking about rediscovering good news. There's plenty of bad news. It's easy to find. But finding what God is up to in the world, the good things that are happening, is important. And when Jesus came... He said, get ready for the good news of the kingdom of God. So if Jesus' message was good news and it was about the kingdom of God, it seems important that we would understand what that is. So that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to talk about what exactly is the kingdom of God. And we're going to talk about it in several different ways. First, we're going to talk about its history its mystery, its opportunity, and its agency. And when I wrote that, I don't think I realized every single one of those words ended in the sound E. So, <laughs> but it does. History, mystery, opportunity, and its agency. So first of all, let me just give you a sort of a textbook version of the kingdom of God. If you read a theology book, this is the answer you'll get. If it doesn't sound that exciting, don't worry. We're going to actually kind of get into it. And I think you'll find this is really a very cool thing. But the kingdom of God is where God reigns, his will is done, and his purposes are completely fulfilled. Where God reigns, his will is done, his purposes are completely fulfilled. Now, you may wonder how we know this. And for those of you who've spent a little bit of time reading the Bible, you might particularly wonder, where do you get that definition? Because the guy who came saying this is what he's all about, Jesus, never defines the kingdom of God. You cannot find anywhere in scripture where Jesus says, this is what the kingdom of God is. He might say, this is what it's like. This is how you can enter the kingdom of God, but he never says what it actually is. And there's a reason for that. The reason Jesus never says what the kingdom of God is, is because to his original audience, first century Palestinian Jews, they all already knew what the kingdom of God was. It was their national story. So for Jesus to take time to tell them what it was would be ridiculous 
they would fall asleep. Like, we know what our own story is. So Jesus starts in a context, starts in an environment, starts in a world where everybody already knows what the kingdom of God is. So he never defines it. The kingdom of God is the story of the Bible. And you can actually start this, I'm not going to, but I'll sort of refer to it, in the first book of the Bible in Genesis, where you see God reigning, his will done, and his purposes completely fulfilled in the picture we have of the Garden of Eden, where everything starts. That gets messed up. And it's very easy and I think appropriate to read the rest of the Bible as a complete story coming from different angles, all about how God is in the process of putting things right again, of restoring his reign, his will, and his purposes in all of creation. And we get pictures of it. So the Exodus, which is the story of the uh, Israeli people coming out of slavery in Egypt and becoming a people group for the first time. And as that's happening, after Moses famously leads them through the Red Sea on dry ground, he sings a song. It's called the Song of Moses. And at the climax of the song, he has this great confession where he says, the Lord will reign forever and ever. So if God is creating a kingdom, a people, literally, figure, not just figuratively, in the people of Israel to show what his reign and rule would look like to the rest of the world. And that sort of takes a step forward with what's known as the Davidic monarchy, which is just the rule and reign of David, King David, very famous figure in the Bible. And this is a picture of God ruling through an anointed person. Um, and this was seen as the high point of the history of Israel. Uh, there were great victories. Uh, there was this extended period of prosperity. It's remembered as God reigning through a righteous king. Not perfectly, if you read the story. And in fact, the kings of Israel really ended up not being that interested in following God. So they turned to other gods and they worshiped them. They turned away from things like justice and they didn't care for the poor. And as a result, if you read the full story, you'll see God withdraws um, his, his presence, his protection, and his reigning, his will being done, his purposes being fulfilled, sort of pulls back and the people of Israel are taken into exile. But in this context prophets come. Prophets, particularly like Daniel and Isaiah, and they speak of a new kingdom that's on the way. But this new kingdom is something different than anyone's experienced before, because the new kingdom is actually the beginning of a new era, a new time. And they predict, they prophesy that a righteous ruler will come in the line of David. He'll be anointed. You've probably heard of the term Messiah. A Messiah will come. And when this new kingdom starts, crazy things will happen like, one, there'll be no more illness. Deaf people will hear. Blind people will see. There'll be peace. And you get this imagery. Maybe you heard this. The lion will lay down with the lamb. It's a picture of peace on earth. It'll be international. So it won't just be one people group. It'll spread over the whole earth. There'll be no more injustice. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, is said to be poured out on all people everywhere. Death is swallowed up. And it's also this picture of the end of time. So if you like these crazy movies, maybe this will pique your attention. It's the end of time where there's images of the sun being blotted out, earthquakes happening, the final judgment taking place. And it's talked about so much in the ancient Hebrew scriptures and in these prophets' writings that they started coming up with stock phrases to refer to it. Because you can't take like three paragraphs to explain all these things that are going to happen. So they would just say, 
and describe it as the day of the Lord, or as or they would say, in that day. And they're talking about the coming of the kingdom of God. I read a guy named Derek Morphew, and he described it this way. I think he does a good job. He says, Isaiah's vision of the coming kingdom is massive in its scope. He saw the coming of the kingdom as a one great event, God in his glory, the king in his justice, the spirit in abundance, salvation, forgiveness, healing, liberation, joy, resurrection, the new international people of God, the new Jerusalem, the new order, and the final judgment were all part of this day of the Lord, the coming of the kingdom of God. And so what was set up by the ancient prophets was this idea that heaven was going to come to earth. But they saw that happening in a particular way. What they saw was a moment of demarcation, a dichotomy being set up, meaning one age would end and a new age would begin. The present age, where things are broken, where people get sick, where children are abused, where people are oppressed, that's going to end and a new future age, a perfect age would begin. And all those things we talked about, social and personal healing and renewal would happen. Heaven would come to earth. And that's what we're expecting. One age to end, a new age to begin. And for 500 years they waited. And they told the story. And they waited. And they told the story. And they waited. And they told the story. And the story became their national story. So the kingdom of God wasn't a new idea that Jesus made up. It was an idea that Jesus knew everyone already knew. And he stepped into it and said, it's here now. It's coming in me. So when Jesus shows up on the scene and he says in Mark chapter 1, in his very first sermon, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Everyone knew exactly what he meant. The time had come. The kingdom of God, this perfect future age, is about to begin. Boom. Now, part of the reason we're having a series that's called Rediscovering Good News is that there's a lot of bad news in the world right now. And we talked about how that's a little overhyped because news organizations have learned that to get readers and viewers, you have to give the scariest, worst news, and your ratings go up. So they're overemphasized, and we get a picture that's a little extreme. But at the same time, those things are real, and they're still happening. So you might think, if there's this future age that's supposed to happen, why is there all this brokenness that I see around me? Why is there all this strife and oppression and conflict and injustice. Why am I personally struggling with so much? If heaven's supposed to come to earth and renew me, I don't feel renewed. There's a lot in my life I'd like to see changed. So you may wonder, has the kingdom of God come? So we've talked a little bit about history. Now let's move on to mystery. And Jesus can help us and at first, I think, confuse us <laughs> a little bit about this. And I think this is part of the reason I used to struggle so much to answer this question. Because Jesus talks about the coming of the kingdom of God in different ways. So, the way you might expect, 
the way the people of Israel were expecting. He talks about the kingdom of God in language that says the kingdom of God has come, like right now. In Luke 17, he says, the kingdom of God is among you. It's present. In Luke 4, he reads this beautiful passage from Isaiah. It says, the spirit of the Lord is on me. You can see what Jesus values if you pay attention here too. He says, because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, he sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone were fastened on him, and he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So here, Jesus is drawing on one of these prophecies we've been talking about, about the coming of the kingdom of God, and he's applying it to himself, and he's saying it's fulfilled right here, right now, in this moment. Matthew 12, he says, But if the Spirit of God... But if it's by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you in this moment. All right, so that's one way Jesus talks about it. Come with me and let's look at another way. The other way is that the kingdom of God is coming at any moment, which is different from it's here right now. So Mark 1, 15, we looked at this. The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. It's come near. That's a little different. Matthew 4, he says, From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, when Jesus uses this term near, um, when the people write down the story, they write it in Greek, and they use this word, endigzo. It's a crazy-sounding little word. But basically what it means is that something is moving. It's coming near. It's the same word you would use to describe a woman who's already gone into labor. Like, not just into labor, but really full-on labor. Any second this child could come. It's the same type of word you would use to describe when you see lightning and you're waiting for thunder. That close, that immediate, just around the corner. So Jesus talks about the, God, talks about the kingdom of God. He uses language that says it's just any moment. Not right now, but any moment. Well, other times... He says this, the kingdom of God is delayed, delayed. And when you read the stories he tells about this time of delaying, it sounds like he's talking about until some end of time or the end of the age. So in Luke 19, he tells a parable um, and then wraps it up by saying, while they were listening to this, he went on to tell them a parable because he was near Jerusalem and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. And so he realized they think it's going to happen right now. I'm going to tell them this story to get them thinking more long-term. Matthew 25, he tells a story of the virgins, it's called. It's all these uh, women waiting for their husband to come. And the question is, their husband's coming late at night. Do they have enough oil to make it all the way through the night for him to show up? And so you get this idea, you know, a lot of them, they wait, they run out of oil. So it could be a really, really long time. Matthew 24 and 25, it talks about, like, this is the end of all things. So let me... Long story short, if you were to ask me, according to Jesus, is the kingdom of God here now? The answer is yes. If you ask me, is the kingdom of God just around the corner, according to Jesus, the answer is yes. If you ask me, is the kingdom of God a ways off, even a long way off, 
According to Jesus, the answer is yes. The kingdom of God is here, almost here, and delayed. So you can see why, as a young boy growing up in the church, I was a little confused about, wait a second, when is the kingdom of God coming? So I have this little diagram, which I think will help you get this. So the Jewish people were expecting an event, something that would happen that would signify the end of one age and usher in a new age, a perfect age. You see that? So we're in the present age. That's where we are now. That's where things are messed up. There's lots of bad news, a lot of good news too, but a lot of bad news. This event is going to happen, and this new age is going to start that's going to be totally perfect and awesome and amazing. What they didn't expect is that through Jesus... The perfect end, which we see over here, would extend back and break through into this present broken age. See that? So it's like the king, like Jesus is reaching into this future age and pulling the kingdom in and dropping it in the middle of the present age. But the present age hasn't ended. It's still going on. And so what this means is we live here. Where Jesus comes and he inaugurates the kingdom of God, or he reaches forward and he brings it in, and boom. So you see all these things that are promised over here happening the sight given to the blind, uh, good news preached to the poor, um, uh, injustice toppled, and different things that he did, driving out of demons. He did all of these things where he's reaching into a perfect age and dropping it into our age right now. But it also means that we live between the ages, something no one anticipated. It's a unique time where God's future perfect age, I guess it's over here, has broken into and is still breaking into our present broken age through Jesus. You see that? That's a mystery, how all that works together. That's not what anybody was expecting. Everybody was expecting one moment, explosion, new age begins. But what happened was Jesus reached into the future and brought it into the present. Worked miracles, engaged people, brought healing to people, stood up to oppression. And so theologians call this era that we live in right now the already and the not yet. And the kingdom of God is already, but it's also not yet. So we can experience the end-breaking power of the kingdom of God in our daily lives. And some of you have stories about how you have, and that's a very right-now experience. It's not a someday thing for you. you. Many of you have experienced some sort of personal renewal, some relationship renewal, something happened in your life. But you can also point to parts of your life where you are definitely still waiting, And if we read the news or watch news reports, we can see a lot of things happening around us where we are waiting for justice. We are waiting for reconciliation. We are waiting for renewal. But we haven't experienced them yet. So that's how the kingdom of God works. It's here, but it's coming. But it's delayed. But it's here right now. And we can experience it at any moment. We can pray with faith. God, do this amazing miracle. And it will happen sometimes. And other times we will wait. 
It's called living in the tension. But it also, because of this extraordinary, unexpected era that we live in, it gives us a great opportunity. And that's this. The opportunity is that we can join in the kingdom of God. So this process that everyone expected just to happen like that and be done actually turns out to be an ongoing journey, something that we're in the middle of, which means that we can actually be a part of the renewal of all things, of the kingdom coming into our world, of heaven coming to earth. And Jesus' invitation was actually just this. So here's a story about Jesus. Uh, This is in Luke chapter 10. It says, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is put before you, he told them. Heal the sick who are there with them and say, the kingdom of God has come near to you. So here we see this king that was expected, this anointed one or Messiah. But what he's doing is giving his mission to the people around him who would follow. And he's saying, you go. You bring the kingdom with you where you are. You pray for the kingdom to come, for the will of the Father to be done, for it to break in to difficult situations. And this, this is our hope for our city. If we want to see things get better, if we want to see kids off the street, if we want to see injustice in, if we want to be able to go to sleep and not worry about our kids at night or schools during the day, if we want there to be economic opportunity for everyone, if we want this city to flourish, if we want personal healing, if we want spiritual wholeness, if we are trying to get over something that happened in our past, what we really want is that future age now. We want to experience that now. We want that renewal now. We want the kingdom of God. And through Jesus, that future is available now. You know, there's some funny things that happened when Jesus was crucified. Remember all those prophecies about the sun being blocked out and crazy stuff like earthquakes happening? We get a hint to the future age coming in the present when we see what happens to Jesus when he's crucified. When you read the story, you find out that as Jesus is crucified, the sun is blocked out. There's a great earthquake. The dead rise. I don't know if you remember that detail. It doesn't get in very often. Uh, There's judgment that happens on the cross. Uh, There are reconciled, renewed relationships available in a new way because of the cross. And this is where it starts. It's his kingdom invading through his own sacrifice. And Jesus gives us his work to continue. But he asks us and requires us to do it in the same way that he did. And that's our last thing here, agency. In John 5, Jesus says, Very truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. So the big question is, if we want to experience the kingdom of God breaking into our lives and into our communities, what is the Father doing? What's he up to? In your life, in your neighborhood, You know, 
The kingdom of God is actually not something that we can make happen. In our vision statement of our church, it says that we're seeking to join in what the Father is doing. We look to see where the Father is at work, and we join in. That's the way Jesus did it. We actually don't bring the kingdom ourselves. We pray and ask God to bring the kingdom, and then we watch and we join in. Now, that can be spontaneous. Things that happen in the moment, you see an opportunity, you see what God's doing, and you jump on it. You pray for a miracle in the moment, it happens. But sometimes it can also be what you plan for. God's showing you what he's up to and saying, get to work at this. I remember this because I actually preached a very similar sermon to this in 2008. So I figured it was safe to come back to the themes again. That's been a while. Um, And in my notes for the sermon, which I updated and adapted and worked on for this sermon, there was this little parenthetical that said, oh, by the way, stay after church today because we're going to pray. Uh, We feel like God wants us to lay down roots and build, build or find a building that could be a community center. This was in 2008. We didn't, that didn't happen in a flash. If you've been around for a while, you know we had to plan for that. We had to raise money for that. We had to work on that. We had to go through some things to get there to be in this building today. So looking for what God is doing and joining in can be a very spontaneous, in a flash thing. Those are what you hear the crazy stories about, right? But it can also be God showing you what he wants to do and saying, get to work, plan for this. This is what the Father is doing when you have a community center. If you're going to get there, you can't just wait for it to happen. Start working. Start planning. If you want to see economic opportunity in a new way in a neighborhood, it's probably not going to happen from just praying and then in an instant something changing everything. Probably means you're going to have to dig in. You're going to have to plan and think long term. But the main point here is that actually we can't do any of it without him. But if we join in what he's already doing, things can roll. It's a lot less work. It's not always easy. It doesn't mean it's painless. But trying to make something happen just on our own is a lot different experience uh, than hooking our wagon to what God's already up to. So here's what I want to do. As we wrap up today, I want you actually to ask yourself two things. So go with me on this. I want you to just close your eyes for a moment, okay? And maybe just take a second to set aside anything that might be on our mind at the moment. Let the bouncing children become a beautiful Echo in the background. And I just want to remind you, there's a passage in the book of Romans in the 8th chapter that tells us that Jesus actually right now is at the right hand of God the Father praying for us. So I want you to just take that image in for a second. And let's take some time. So as you think about Jesus being at the right hand of God, praying for you, 
I want you to just take some deep breaths in through your nose and out through your mouth, maybe three or four. And just let that image sit with you for a little bit. So go ahead and breathe. And then back out. Breathe in. And back out. And then as you're sort of just resting with the image and the understanding that Jesus is actually praying for you, I want you to allow yourself to somehow come closer to Jesus. In your mind's eye, you can just walk over. Um, In your mind's eye, if you just sort of, like in a movie, zoom lens, you zoom in. However it works for you, just let yourself come close to Jesus. And when you get close enough, What is he praying? What do you hear him praying for you? What would be good news for you in your life right now? It can be anything, relationship, job, any situation. What's Jesus praying about when he prays for you? And when you have a sense of what that might be, I want you to do something to hold that in your heart. Maybe you just put your hand on your chest. Maybe you take a moment and you write it down on your bulletin. But just so you have a moment to not just rush by that, but to kind of take that in and sit with it for a little bit. And after you, you, you kind of have a sense of that. You've got it in your heart or written down or you just have acknowledged that in a way that you won't forget or move on. I want you to keep listening and listen to what Jesus is praying for the people around you. Who's he praying for? What would be good news for that person? for those people, for that neighborhood. What's he praying? And do something that means something to you to hold on to that too. To not just let that sort of slide away or think, oh, that's a good thing. Um, But to think maybe there's a reason that in your mind's eye, maybe it's by the Spirit of God that you hear Jesus praying for that. So just hold it long enough not to just let it go. Or realize how busy you are and move on. What? I think what Jesus would pray is a good clue to what the Father is doing in your life. Amen. So yeah, that's, there's no secret here. Doing a little prayer exercise like that, my hope is that the Holy Spirit is going to be involved in that. 
and that what you hear Jesus praying for you is what he wants to do in your life. And maybe you just need to be reminded he cares about that. And what you hear him praying for the people around you might just be what he wants to do in the lives of the people around you or in the neighborhood you live in or our city. So we're going to move forward now with the rest of our service, but we're going to have times to ask the Holy Spirit to keep talking to us. So remember those things and don't let them go. Amen. All right, uh, before moving the rest of our service, I want to invite uh, Eric Johansson up. Eric is on our, one of our church council members, and he's going to give us an update.